Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Here, our number 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. Over 5,000 civilians killed in Maripol, murdered. Mass graves, more horrendous torture and rape as the Russians changed their strategy on the ground focus on northeastern Ukraine as well as northwestern Ukraine. This is really quite disgusting and appalling. And uh, let's see how to put this. Let's see. I'm ashamed of Biden. I'm ashamed of the Secretary of Defense. I'm ashamed of all of them. I really am. We haven't done nearly enough to help these people. I don't want to hear from the Putinoids and the Putin wing of the media. You represent about 12 people. You're damn fools. People go on, we don't want war, we don't want war. There is a war. The question is whether it can be contained or not. That's the goal now, to contain it. They're going to put sanctions on Vladimir Putin's two adult daughters. Well, that'll do it. That'll do it. Ukrainians need the weapons to kill the Russian soldiers. It's a war. Economic sanctions are not going to work. If these economic sanctions had been levied before the war, maybe they would have. But that's not what happened. And we should have been pre-positioning weapons 
donated to the Ukrainians a long time ago, but we didn't. And by now, what few jets they actually have, probably 50 in number, most of them are grounded. Most of them are likely grounded, no question about it. This administration obstructed efforts to get them more jets. It was the jets. It was the Poles who wanted to get them more jets. And tanks. And ground-to-air missile systems. All they need is half of what the Russians have and they'll beat the Russians. That's how you contain it. These people are being slaughtered. The history books are being written right now, ladies and gentlemen, by the actions certain individuals are taking. And regardless of the propaganda in our country, Joe Biden will be viewed as far too passive. And his family is corrupt. And I have no doubt that's had some role here. Remember Tokyo Rose? Some of you are too young. Go ahead and Google it. Tokyo Rose? Yes, Tokyo Rose. A mouthpiece for the Japanese. She broadcast to American soldiers to try and undermine their morale. Didn't work. As I've told you for weeks, we have our own form of Tokyo Roses in this country. But they're not undermining our troops, since our troops aren't fighting. And they're not undermining the American people, since over 80% of you believe we should be doing more, as compared to 14% who think otherwise. But they will be remembered too. And in the face of horrific human atrocities, that in the face of this kind of widespread inhumanity that in the face of genocide not only did they fail to speak out against it early on but many of them gave aid and comfort and excuses now some of you are tired of this Some of you don't want me to talk about this anymore. Some of you may still think, although very few in this audience, what does this have to do with us? Well, if you're a person of faith, if you believe in God, it has everything to do with us. If you're a person who truly cares about your fellow human being, and I don't mean spending programs and all, but people being slaughtered, Mass graves, rape, hanged, strangled, tongues cut out, decapitation, limbs cut off. You can hear the Russian soldiers laughing in their drunken stupor as they have their way with these people. It's just, you know, when I was a young guy in, uh, I guess it was elementary school. I don't know if they still have them. I was a safety. Do they still have safeties, Mr. Producer? Well, I would get up 5.30 in the morning and I would put on this 
the safety belt, which went from one shoulder down to the opposite hip and around your waist. It was fluorescent in color, a white fluorescent, so you wouldn't get hit by a car. And you'd stand on the busiest corners and tell the kids when they could cross and when they couldn't. I, uh, I was very proud of this. But there were a group of kids, four or five of them. I guess I was 10, maybe, in that ballpark. Who would make fun of me as, as I was staying there while I was trying to control the situation. And I didn't like it. I didn't like being picked on. And I said to my father, what should I do? My father was a very kind, decent, brilliant man. Didn't go to Ivy League school. He worked for everything he had. Calluses on his hands, as did my mother. He said, I want you to pick out the leader and I want you to hit him as hard as you can. As hard as you possibly can. Now today you go to prison, of course. Or you get shot in the back. I said, well, I'm a little nervous about it. He said, just do what I tell you. Hit him as hard as you possibly can. I said, where should I hit him? said, hit him in the stomach. I was 10, 9 or 10. So the next time they were picking on me, I hit him as hard as I could, and he went down like a baby. That was the last time that group even looked at me or acknowledged me when they crossed the busy street. They wanted nothing to do with me. Nothing. And that's been my life's lesson. When pushed or hit, hit back twice as hard. It's one of the reasons I have enormous respect for Donald Trump. He's not the bully. It's the bullies who attack him. And I will not be wrongly pushed around or attacked. Apart from the physical. In this career by organizations that are set up to try and destroy people like me and me in particular. I will fight back. To the end. I watch these people in Ukraine. I have memories of these black and white films of the Nazis, the concentration camps, the mass graves, the little kids, the babies, the women being herded like sheep. God knows what they were thinking. That the world had gone nuts and there's nobody there to save them. One day you're living in a civilized society. You have a family, you have a job, you have a home, 
You're free people enjoying life. And the next day, you're naked, gold teeth are pulled out of your mouth, your heads are shaved. You're lined up and you're shot in the back. You're pushed into ovens. You're sent to the so-called showers where you're gassed to death. Or if you live for a short period of time, you're the subject of gruesome experimentation, rape, torture, human degradation. You don't know if you're going to live from one day to the next. You don't know where your parents are. You don't know where your siblings are. We're debating of the word hummus, excuse me, uh, genocide right now. We have mass graves. We're debating over the word genocide, really? Our government stops the importation of MiG-29s to the Ukrainian people. Think of the Warsaw Ghetto. Now they fought and fought for weeks with everything and anything they had. And then the Nazis just destroyed one building after another and leveled the place the way the Russians are. These towns in Ukraine. And what did the Ukrainian people do? Nothing. They live. They want to be free. That's the whole point of natural rights and unalienable rights. That's the whole point of our declaration. That's the whole point. Our government has not done enough, not even close, to arm these people with what they need, and they are prepared to fight. But they can't fight with pistols and rifles. Drones, great. You know, missiles, mobile missiles that you carry in your bag, very, very important. But you need some fighters, jet fighters. You need some tanks. You need those things that are necessary to defeat this enemy. And Putin has Biden spooked. He's got the Putin wing of the media spooked. Or at least they use his threats as a way of not to stand up to him. More sanctions against his daughters, for God's sakes. That's the response? Well, that's just not good enough. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, I'm here to talk to you about something very serious. Have you felt something changing in our country? That too many people no longer identify themselves as Americans first, but instead group themselves by race, class, or sex? That we're losing the common idea of justice, the melting pot that unites us. I'm talking about citizenship, folks. And if we lose the idea of citizenship, then we don't have a country. But there's something you can do. Get educated and then teach others. And my friends at Hillsdale College can show you the way. 
Hillsdale's new free course on American citizenship will help you learn about what's happening and why. The course is taught by our friend, Dr. Victor Davis Hansen, who will equip you to help restore our country. You can sign up for free at levinforhillsdale.com. You'll learn about topics like the history of citizenship, the deep state, and even the Great Reset. Please sign up today to take Hillsdale's free course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I'm a very blessed individual. I'm very lucky in many ways. But mostly, from a professional point of view, I'm lucky because of you. Now, the Sunday night show on Fox is the biggest show, typically on the weekend, on Fox. And it has bigger ratings than CNN and MSNBC combined. You're not going to read that in the Washington Post or the New York Times. You're not going to hear my colleagues talk about it. You're not going to hear any of that. But let me tell you why that's important. Because the things I say in that monologue reverberate. Not because I'm some genius or some great leader or statesman. But because I think hard about what I'm going to say. I have no teleprompter, none. I sit there and for 12 to 15 minutes, I speak to you about matters I've given great thought and from my heart and soul. I speak to you as one of the few people in media, anywhere, who's had extensive experience in my case, in the Reagan administration, elected office at the local level, school board, and so forth. I don't come at this unencumbered by experience, unencumbered by knowledge. This is what I do. This is not only my career, it's my hobby. It's my life. And so, this Sunday I decided in my monologue, I was going to spend the entirety of it talking about the Hunter Biden case and try and move it to the next step. Not monkey around or play footsie or have footnotes, but accuse Joe Biden of being the crook that the evidence demonstrates he is. A crook. And to demand the appointment of a special counsel, which I've done on this radio show forever. When we come back, I want to discuss this further with you. Folks, I'm here to talk to you about something very serious. Have you felt something changing in our country? That too many people no longer identify themselves as Americans first, but instead group themselves by race, class, or sex? That we're losing the common idea of justice, the melting pot, that unites us. I'm talking about citizenship, folks. And if we lose the idea of citizenship, then we don't have a country. But there's something you can do. Get educated and then teach others. And my friends at Hillsdale College can show you the way. Hillsdale's new free course on American citizenship will help you learn about what's happening and why. The course is taught by our friend, Dr. Victor Davis Hansen, who will equip you to help restore our country. You can sign up for free at levinforhillsdale.com. 
You'll learn about topics like the history of citizenship, the deep state, and even the Great Reset. Please sign up today to take Hillsdale's free course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. If Mark has banned you from the show, we have a special number you can call to reach him, 877-381-3811. The need for a special counsel. As most of you know, this Sunday on Life, Liberty, and Levin, and I want to tip my hat to Fox and Friends the following Monday morning, that actually dared to play a clip of what I said. I pointed out the following, cut 20, go. Do we have a Manchurian candidate in the Oval Office? It certainly appears that way. But what am I talking about? What I'm talking about, first of all, is a corrupt media an opportunistic media, an agenda-driven media that for months covered up the corruption that is the Biden crime family. The head of the Biden crime family, they still won't admit it, is Joseph Biden Jr. Uh, The media in this country during the last election, when they were confronted with a true story about a laptop, Hunter Biden, a computer fixer uh, who had that laptop and hard drive, who found incredible amounts of data, email, and so forth on there. Um, What did the media do? They covered it up. What did the big tech oligarchs do? They not only covered it up, but they they banned the New York Post. They banned other media outlets. They banned any individual who dared to refer to it. How about the Democrats in the House? What were they doing? Did they conduct an investigation to find out what was taking place? No. How about the broadcast media? On the whole, another cabal of of cover-up artists and censors who said that this was a Russian uh, plant. And they found 51 people with backgrounds and intelligence. Oh boy, what an anomaly that is. Uh, Who said it clearly was Russia propaganda. And when Donald Trump tried to bring it up during the course of debate, he was cut off by Chris Wallace, who wouldn't allow it to be discussed. This is the state of media in America. We do not have a free press. We have the equivalent of Tosk or Pravda. We have a corrupt media. We have a media that sings from one sheet. We have a media that regurgitates down the line what one outfit says and the next outfit says. Well, something interesting happened. The New York Times came out with a piece a few weeks ago and said, uh, this is authentic. Now, here's the interesting thing. They didn't actually say it was authentic. It was a long piece they wrote. And then somewhere in the article, they pointed out, they flagged that, uh, that in fact, this laptop and these emails seem to be authentic, that they've been substantiated. Who are they substantiated by? I guess the prosecutors who are leaking this information, the career prosecutors out of the Wilmington U.S. Attorney's Office. That's my guess. Because it was as recently as September 2021 Uh, that the New York Times dismissed the Biden laptop story as Russian disinformation. And they did it at the height of the campaign as well. So people who voted, apart from all the other corruption that took place and all the other violations of the federal constitution that took place, such as in Pennsylvania and elsewhere, the fact of the matter is many people voted without information that the Biden family was being paid 
by the communist Chinese government and by their military. Then we get this piece from the Washington Post. Wow. Get this piece last week from the Washington Post. Very long piece. But I want to read a few parts to you because most of us don't read the Washington Post and for good reason. The Post did not find evidence that Joe Biden personally benefited from or knew details about the transactions with CEFC. CEFC is the Chinese energy company. and It's a massive front company for the Chinese government and the, cover and the Chinese military, which took place after he had left the vice presidency and before he announced his intentions to run for the White House in 2020. So right away in paragraph number five, the Washington Post is trying to do a cover-up for Joe Biden. Well, why are the New York Times and the Washington Post even writing about these things? Why? Because uh, the prosecutors are moving fast now, and they don't want to be completely behind the ball and seem like the complete frauds that they are. But the new documents, which include a signed copy of a $1 million legal retainer, emails related to the wire transfers, and $3.8 million in consulting fees that are confirmed in new bank records, so that's about $5 million, and agreements signed by Hunter Biden illustrate the ways in which his family profited from relationships built over Joe Biden's decades in public service. Joe Biden's decades in public service, they used his name, his family benefits to at least $5 million. But Joe doesn't know anything about it. This is a lie being perpetrated by the media. And this would be enough. This should be enough for an investigation in the House of Representatives. But they're too busy investigating minor misdemeanors like trespass and parading on private property over there at the Department of Justice, January 6th. Uh, they're too busy over there at the Department of Justice investigating parents who dare to challenge uh, school boards. They're too busy investigating the Georgia Republican legislature that dares to change its election laws to conform with traditional election processes. We know exactly what's going on here. Exactly. But let's go on. What else do we find here? Accounts linked to Hunter Biden received at least $3.79 million in payments from CEFC. Just remember, that's the Communist Chinese and the Communist Military Front Company through consulting contracts, according to bank records and joint agreements reviewed by The Washington Post. You know, I said here back then, this laptop, it's got the names of individuals. It's got dates on it. It's got times on it. It's got a thousand methods for confirming the authenticity of what's on the laptop. Where are the media? Media in cover-up mode. Biden received an additional $1 million retainer issued as part of an agreement to represent Patrick Ho, a CEFC official who would later be charged in the U.S. in connection with a multi-million dollar scheme to bribe leaders from Chad and Uganda. An intermediary from, CFE, from CEFC initially reached out to Hunter Biden in December 2015 to set up a meeting between the then vice president's son and Yi Jiming, the founder and chairman of the Chinese firm, according to verified emails from a purported copy of the laptop hard drive reviewed by the outside experts for the Post. So this information was known to the Washington Post and the New York Times before the election. They chose not to look. CFC is a massive oil and gas company founded in 2002, had financing from government uh, development banks and ties to the Chinese Communist Party and the People's Liberation Army, according to people who studied the firm. The contract signed on August 2, 2017, August 2, 2017, 
stated that Hunter Biden would get a one-time retainer of 500000 and would then receive a monthly stipend of $100,000, with his uncle James Biden getting 65000 a month. Says later, the money began flowing almost immediately, with the first incoming wire of $5 million arriving in August 8, 2017, according to documents found on the copy of Hunter Biden's laptop again, and corroborated by identical bank statements that Grassley's office, Senator Grassley, obtained from Kathy Bank for an account jointly held by Hunter Biden and CEFC execs. By my calculation, we're almost at $10 million now. This doesn't even count the corruption with Ukraine or other countries. This is just communist China. So I hope you were able to follow that. Basically, the bottom line is over $5 million poured into the Biden family from a front corporation controlled by the communist Chinese government and the communist Chinese military. Over $5 million. This is not in dispute. The bank records are available. The laptop records available. The Democrat Party in the House refuses to conduct a single hearing. The Democrat Party in the Senate refuses to conduct a single hearing. Five million. It's likely closer to ten million. Joe Biden says out of one side of his dentures that he doesn't know anything about his son's business. We know that's a flat-out lie. Then out of the other side of his dentures... He says his son didn't do anything wrong. Well, if he doesn't know anything about what his son did, how does he know that his son didn't do anything wrong? Cut 21. Please please stick with me. Go ahead. Later on in the article, during the time the CEFC was active, funds were being transferred from Hunter Biden to his uncle. Records show, oh, Jimmy Biden. All told, nearly $1.4 million went from Hunter's company to one controlled by James Biden according to a 2020 report produced by Grassley and fellow Republican Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. So they had this again during the course of the last election. The transactions were identified as potential criminal activity and a designation meant to flag potential money laundering, political corruption, or other financial crimes, according to a report from the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, at the Treasury Department that was received by the Post. Now, I'm not going to overwhelm you with more information. It gets worse. There's more with the Biden crime family. More. Now, Joe Biden's role. Well, the Washington Post said there was no role, and whatever the Washington Post says, of course, is true, as it covered up the laptop to make sure that Biden would, would be unaffected and unencumbered with it during the the election, look how the media circled around him during the debate. Chris Wallace, the Washington, Time, the, uh, Washington Post, the uh, New York Times, the big oligarchs and uh, big tech, just a disgusting cover up. Well, here's the New York Post, Miranda Devine, who's been on this. And she points out that Bob Alinsky, who was a business partner who came forward, who had nothing to gain by coming forward. A former Navy SEAL, he puts it all on the line. He said, I've seen Vice President Biden saying he never talked to Hunter about his business. Bobolinsky would say in a bombshell statement to the New York Post, Michael Goodwin on October 22, 2020, before the election. I've seen firsthand that's not true. 
because it wasn't just Hunter's business. They said they were putting the Biden family name and its legacy on the line. I don't have a political axe to grind. I just saw behind the Biden curtain and I grew concerned with what I saw. The Biden family aggressively leveraged the Biden family name to make millions of dollars from foreign entities, even though some were from communist-controlled China. Now, less than two weeks after meeting Joe Biden, Miranda wrote, Bobolinsky Incorporated Sino-Hawk Holdings LLC on May 15, 2017, that year, 2017, having decided against Hunter's suggestion, they call it CEFC America. Hunter Biden wanted to call it after the communist Chinese regime's name for its company. It would be a global investment firm seated with $10 million of Chinese money. We just talked about that, remember? That would buy projects in the U.S. and around the world in global and or domestic infrastructure, energy, financial services, and other strategic sectors, said the contract he drawn up. Sino-Hawk would be 50% owned by Yi Jiming, chairman of the, of the communist uh, company CFC through a Delaware incorporated CEFC entity, Hudson West IV LLC. The other 50% would be owned by Onita Holdings LLC, another Delaware firm set up by Bobolinsky. Now, Onita would be split according to an email sent by James Giller to the group on May 13, 2017, laying out the distribution of shares. Ready? 20 to H, Hunter. 20 to RW, Walker. 20 to JG, Gillier, 20 to TB, Bobolinsky, 10 to Jim Biden, 10 held for H, for the big guy. Three years later, Bobolinsky would tell the world, there's no question that the big guy is Joe Biden. Hunter Biden called his dad the big guy, or my chairman, and frequently referenced, asking him for his sign-off for advice on various potential deals that we were closing. There's much more on this and ties to Joe Biden now president of the United States. No wonder the media covered up for him. Ladies and gentlemen, we need a federal special counsel. We cannot leave it to Merrick Garland and the political appointees at the Department of Justice. This is why we have special counsels. An experienced, competent, independent federal prosecutor who puts together a team, a special counsel office to investigate Joe Biden, his family, the dealings with communist China, the dealings with Ukraine, the dealings with Russia, the dealings with Romania, the dealings with all of these governments. Biden told a flat out lie, as he often does, and he knew nothing of his son's business practices. We have witnesses. We have uh, contemporary information, uh, documents, a laptop, which has now been authenticated by The New York Times, so we know it's accurate. We've got a ton of evidence that would trigger any investigation of a sitting president of the United States. We have not had one single hearing in the Democrat-controlled House of Representatives as they're chasing down paraders and trespassers on minor misdemeanors with the January 6th committee. We need a Biden crime family committee, and we need one right now. We need to know what the hell's going on. Communist China is our biggest enemy, and they're staring us down. And it is my contention we have a man in the Oval Office who is by all evidence corrupt, bought off, and we need it now. All right, I'm live. I wouldn't normally do that, but I thought it was important for you to hear the entire monologue if you had not. Um, we need a special counsel right now. Right now. Merrick Garland is in the back pocket of the Biden family. He's a Democrat Party hack. He's busy going after parents 
And that's how low that man is. And they're trying to round up every human being who attended the the rally on January 6th. He is a, a very bad guy. We need a special counsel because this family is corrupt. Joe Biden is perhaps, and I believe he is, the most corrupt president in modern American history. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, I'm here to talk to you about something very serious. Have you felt something changing in our country? That too many people no longer identify themselves as Americans first, but instead group themselves by race, class, or sex? That we're losing the common idea of justice, the melting pot that unites us. I'm talking about citizenship, folks. And if we lose the idea of citizenship, then we don't have a country. But there's something you can do. Get educated and then teach others. And my friends at Hillsdale College can show you the way. Hillsdale's new free course on American citizenship will help you learn about what's happening and why. The course is taught by our friend, Dr. Victor Davis Hansen, who will equip you to help restore our country. You can sign up for free at levinforhillsdale.com. You'll learn about topics like the history of citizenship, the deep state, and even the Great Reset. Please sign up today to take Hillsdale's free course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. How many truly conservative radio talk shows Mitch McConnell has appeared on? I don't mean Republican shows or Rhino shows or Republican establishment hosts. I mean truly conservative radio shows. He won't come on this one. I haven't seen him on Hannity on Fox. Isn't that amazing? He'll do interviews on these Sunday shows and so forth, but he's afraid to talk to the people in the Republican base, you. You folks, I ask you, how many times have you heard him interviewed by a conservative radio host? I mean, a truly conservative radio host. He isn't part of the Republican establishment and all the rest of it, whether on radio or TV. Never, right? The investigation, so-called, that this January 6th committee is doing, they're not doing a capital riot probe. They're not doing a, a violence investigation. The two people they seek to put in prison tonight, having voted to have them prosecuted, uh, who are aides to President Trump, but nothing to do with violence on Capitol Hill. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. 
I spoke briefly the other day about a federal district judge in Washington, D.C. by the name of Trevor McFadden, who appears to be the only federal judge who actually believes in the rule of law there. And the intrepid should be Pulitzer Prize winning, but the Mark Levin Award winning Julie Kelly, an American Greatness site, just posted the following. D.C. District Court Judge Trevor McFadden today delivered a major blow to the Justice Department's aggressive prosecution of January 6th protesters. Following a bench trial this week from Matthew Martin, a New Mexico man charged with the most common misdemeanors related to the Capitol protests. Judge McFadden found Martin not guilty on all counts. It is literally the first acquittal in a January 6th case. The first and only one. Nearly 800 Americans have been arrested and charged, mostly on petty offenses, for their involvement in the four-hour disturbance that day, she writes. Martin was arrested a year ago on four counts, entering and remaining in a restricted building, disorderly conduct in a restricted building, violent entry, and parading in the Capitol building. Prosecutors confirmed he was in the building for roughly 10 minutes. He pleaded not guilty and opted for a bench trial before Judge McFadden, a Trump appointee. Taking the stand in his own defense, Martin said he was waved into the building by Capitol Police. According to BuzzFeed's Zoe Tillman, who's covering the in-person trials in Washington, an official for the U.S. Capitol Police testified that police, quote, were so vastly outnumbered and couldn't stop people, and all they could do was observe and try to make sure no one got hurt, unquote. Calling Martin's conduct minimal and non-serious, Judge McFadden found it plausible that Martin was allowed into the building and did not realize the grounds were off-limits to the public. Judge McFadden's ruling could impact pending cases and plea offers, since a government witness confirmed for the first time under oath that police stood by as people entered the Capitol. The next trial for a January defendant facing the same charges is scheduled for April 13, when Russell Dean of Alford will appear before Judge Tanya Chutkin, an Obama appointee. Now that's how justice is supposed to work. Ladies and gentlemen, that's how justice is supposed to work. But here's another one in Politico. Judge tosses obstruction charge against January 6th defendant. The judge ruled that ambiguities in the federal law required him to narrow the case against Garrett Miller, who's facing multiple felony charges connected to the attack on the Capitol. The federal judge has thrown out an obstruction charge about breaching the Capitol on January 6th, a ruling that could reverberate across hundreds of cases. Under the narrow interpretation, Judge Nichols ruled defendants can be charged with obstruction only if they directly attempt to affect, quote, a document, record, or other object, unquote, in order to hamper the ability of Congress to count electoral votes. 
Nichols said that because prosecutors are not alleged that Miller took such direct action, rather the department says he simply joined the large mob on January 6th, the obstruction charge against him must be dismissed. In other words, you have to take specific actions. Among the people Nichols cited to bolster his interpretation is President Joe Biden. The judge noted that Biden said the law in question passed in 2002 following the Enron scandal was aimed at making a crime to shred documents. The ruling from Nichols, an appointee of President Trump, is at odds with a series of decisions from other judges in Washington who have considered similar issues in cases stemming from the January 6th storming of the Capitol and concluded that the obstruction law does cover efforts to corruptly interfere with the ability of Congress to tally electoral votes. All the judges so far have accepted that interpretation. But Nichols said that prosecutors had to allege some connection to documents and that the formal charges against Miller didn't make clear enough that he was accused of trying to interfere directly with the records involved in the congressional process of receiving votes and counting objections. And it goes on. Defense attorneys have said prosecutors vowed that they would appeal any judge's decision undercutting the prosecution's use of the obstruction charge in January 6 cases. The offense carries a potential minimum sentence of up to 20 years in prison. 20 years imprinted. Miller's attorney, Clinton Broner, the Dallas held a decision, predicted it could have a broad impact. So there you go. Problem is, there are multiple activist judges on this court, including Republicans, who haven't had the guts to stand up and actually apply the law, which is a rather substantial problem. And then we get, let's see if I can find it here, Mr. Producer. Then we get stories like that in the Washington Compost. What did I do with it? Anyway, in which they are prodding and prying individuals to do what? To indict President Trump. To indict him on what? Obstruction. Obstruction of what? Well, I will get to that in a moment when I find the damn article, because it is they who are pushing it, and I want to make sure I get it straight. But they're pushing the idea, and I've told you they've been pushing this, and they desperately, the press and this committee, working effectively hand-in-hand with the Department of Justice, winks and nods and worse, they want a phony criminal case, just a charge, brought against Donald Trump, so you can see him walking in and out of courtrooms, having to defend himself, having to turn over documents and so forth, and tie him down. That's the goal of this entire enterprise, ladies and gentlemen, to look like this is some kind of a massive corrupt event going after his aides who had nothing to do with any violence at the Capitol building. Let me put it to you this way. If they did, let's see it. Let's see it already. There's not a scintilla of it. Nothing. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. in. 
Have you ever played the game, Would You Rather, with your kids? Would you rather be a donkey or an elephant? That was an easy one. Well, here's another easy one. Would you rather overpay for cell phone service every month to a company with leftist values or pay about half with pure talk and support a company who cares about your values? It's time to ditch Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Pure talk has the same 5G coverage as one of those big guys but saves the average family over $800 a year. I made the switch, and so can you. You can keep your number, keep your phone, or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. Unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data is just $30 a month. Or get unlimited data and still save a fortune. So do this. Go to puretalk.com, find the plan that's right for you. Then this month, enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, and you'll save an additional 50% percent off your first month that's puretalk.com promo code levin podcast philip bump is a predictable low iq scribe over there at the washington compost who's trying to nudge along the department of justice he's their national correspondent i don't know what he's a correspondent of other than bullcrap the title, Could Prosecutors Convince a Jury That Trump Knew He Lost in 2020? Do you see what these fools want to criminalize, ladies and gentlemen? Seems to happen when he's focused on something else. So as former President Donald Trump was trying to persuade a group of historians to view his presidency as an unqualified success, he let it slip out. He had lost the 2020 election. Quote, By my not winning the election, he was the happiest man, Trump said of South Korean President Moon Jae-ji. Now, let's stop there. Remember the other day they were peddling the seven-hour gap of the phone calls, and it became obvious that they were all hoping that there was a gap, but they were all lying. They were all uninformed. They were all taking leaks from the committee and regurgitating them. Now, let's just break down this sentence like rational human beings. By my not winning the election, he was the happiest man, Trump said of South Korean President Moon Jae-in. Is that an admission by Trump that he didn't win the election? Or is that a statement by Trump that that's what's been said? That is not a definitive statement. Does he have to say every time he's talking about it that the election was stolen? By my not winning the election, he was the happiest man. Trump was explaining he was going to make South Korea pay a ton of money for the U.S. to maintain its bases in his country. But there was Trump saying he didn't win the election. A few sentences later, he was more explicit, quote, We had a deal. He was going to pay $5 billion, $5 billion a year. But when I didn't win the election, he had to be the happiest. Says the same thing. Again, that's not Donald Trump saying, uh, you know, I lost the election. That's Donald Trump saying, by my not winning the election, meaning he's not sitting in the Oval Office and Joe Biden is. He's not sitting in the Oval Office. The pattern kept rolling, the pattern kept rolling. Maybe China was happiest, maybe Russia, of course. 
maybe Iran. But the reality was out there, floating in the room, apparently unnoticed by the president, who worked so hard to deny it, and by observers who understood it solely as a statement of fact. This comment, though, may be important some months from now in a very different context. Does it prove beyond reasonable doubt that Trump knew his false claims about the election were false? Will the admission that the, he lost convince a jury someday that the president of the United States committed a crime? Huh? 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 No jury may ever be asked the question. It's not clear where the investigation into the riot at the Capitol on January 6, 2021 will lead or whether the House Select Committee's probe or a separate Justice Department investigation will result in a federal charge. There are civil suits as well, which judges have already elevated this same point. Did Trump know? Did he know? Ha, ha, ha. Here we have a confession, Mr. Producer, a confession. You have no confession, you moron. Alyssa Farah, who worked for Trump in the weeks after the election, suggested in an interview last year that Trump knew he lost until he was persuaded otherwise. He knew. He told me shortly after that he knew he lost. But then, you know, folks got around him. They got information in front of him. And I think his mind generally might have been changed about that. And that's scary because he did lose. Hmm. What this ignores, of course, is that Trump spent months claiming that the election would be stolen. Claims for which there was no evidence. I thought the Democrats did. I thought it was the Democrats who were attacking voting machines. The post office. Remember all that, Mr. Producer? Remember that, America? That there was a sinister conspiracy afoot under the Trump administration to remove mailboxes. Doesn't anybody remember this? He said over and over that mail-in ballots were suspect. Of course they are. That's why they used to be limited. When there was no reason to assume they would be, yes, there was. With the change, this guy is such a hack. And he and his team made outlandish claims about random incidents to reinforce that skepticism. What are you talking about? There has been no evidence of... Any substantial fraud since the election occurred? Yes, there has. Zuckerberg's activity, while maybe not exclusively fraud, as Philip Bump would say, is clearly outrageous. And John Lott wrote a very extensive piece on data. And Philip Bump doesn't mention any of it. He doesn't even refute any of it. But Trump was making the same claims about fraud even before it did. Evidence of the point of sowing doubt, not revealing the truth. John Eastman, the attorney and a friend, his effort to block investigators from seeing his communication with Trump was rejected by U.S. District Judge David O. Carter because Carter found it likely... Okay, this is the the judge out in California who's known to be a left-wing hack. Really, really out there. And his statements should have been a basis for disbarring him. And instead, Philly Bump embraces them. Because he's a, he's, a, he's a fake. He's a, he's a punk. This guy Bump. To bolster his argument, Carter pointed to a very specific incident revealing that Trump knew very well he intended not to right a historic wrong, reject an election tainted by fraud, but instead to retain power unlawfully. This judge had none of this in front of him, and his comments were outrageous. And they're no more definitive or authoritative than Philly Bumps. Period. 
You can see what they're doing, clamoring, pressuring, prodding. There's so much here to get Trump. There's nothing here. Zero. Nothing. It's like Russia collusion. It's a disgrace. You know, I did something today just because I felt like like doing it. The Washington Post, the, the head muckety-muck at the Washington Post is a guy by the name of Fred Ryan. Fred Ryan has clawed his way to the top. He used to carry President Reagan's suits around. He was a uh, one of those guys. Now he runs the Washington Post and he's chairman of the Reagan Foundation and Library. I go back to Reagan in 76. I don't remember this guy. He was brought in by one of the big three. Worked his way up. Connived his way up. He's close to the Baker's He's close to the rhinos. He's close to those people. And I want to read to you who's on the Reagan Library Board of Directors, Board of Trustees, the vast majority of who are, who's on this board. And I want to, you to ask yourself, is this the, are these the kind of people? Some are, clearly. But overall, are these the kind of people that Ronald Reagan would have put on his board? The rhinos, bushies, individuals with corporations. Or would he put people on the board who are far more down to earth, like his base? First, we have Frederick J. Ryan Jr., publisher and CEO of the Washington Post. And it says here, during his time at the Washington Post, it's been recognized for excellence in journalism with multiple Pulitzer Prizes and so forth. Secretary of the Board is Catherine Bush, B-U-S-C-H. Currently serves as Senior Vice President and Managing Director Midwest for Christie's. Treasurer John Roberts, R- Rogers, who was a uh, Bush-Baker guy, always duking it out with the conservatives in the administration. Managing Director and member of the Management Committee at Goldman Sachs. Rick Caruso, renowned business innovator, dedicated civic leader, and actively involved in philanthropy. Chief Executive Order of, uh, Officer of Caruso. Private company. I want to continue this when we come back. Michael Castine, Managing Director at ZRG. Executive recruiter firm. Elaine Chow. I believe she's married to Mitch McConnell. Robert Day, nation's largest philanthropic organization. Steve Forbes, he's a good man. More when I return. Have you ever played the game, Would You Rather, with your kids? Would you rather be a donkey or an elephant? That was an easy one. Well, here's another easy one. Would you rather overpay for cell phone service every month to a company with leftist values or pay about half with Pure Talk and support a company who cares about your values? It's time to ditch Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Pure Talk has the same 5G coverage as one of those big guys. 
but saves the average family over $800 a year. I made the switch, and so can you. You can keep your number, keep your phone, or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. Unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data is just $30 a month. Or get unlimited data and still save a fortune. So do this. Go to puretalk.com, find the plan that's right for you. Then this month, enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Mark Levin, America's passionately cerebral voice. Talk with that voice now, 877-381-3811. With a few exceptions, and notable exceptions, it looks like mostly the board of the Reagan Foundation, which I feel a very close affinity to, are friends and surrogates and confidants of the chairman, Fred Ryan, to make sure he has no challenges. Andrew Littlefair, um... Early on, he was a staff assistant to President Reagan in the Office of Presidential Advance, where, of course, he would have met uh, his friend uh, Fred Ryan. Just giving you some examples. Um, let's see here. We have uh, John Lonsdale, co-founder and managing partner at 8VC, a U.S.-based venture capital firm which manages $4 billion. Something is strange here, Mr. Producer. Why all these individuals, these investors, these finance guys? There aren't many Reaganites on the Reagan board of directors, ladies and gentlemen. Anne McLaughlin Corlogus is. Steve Forbes is. Then you have Susan McCall, businesswoman, former diplomat and philanthropist. She served as the U.S. Ambassador of the Republic of Austria, under whom? And is currently president of SNMR Capital Investments. We have Rupert Murdoch and Lachlan Murdoch. Those are two Reaganites. Peggy Noonan. Really a Reaganite name only. Ted Olson used to be an old buddy of mine, but he's crossed the railroad tracks. Gerald Parsky, chairman of Aurora Capital. Jim Pattison, chairman, chief executive officer, sole owner of the Pattison Group, Canada's third largest privately held company. I don't know, was he a Reaganite? Condoleezza Rice, very fine lady, but she worked for Bush. Paul Ryan, he was never a great Reaganite. I mean, he wasn't think tanks and so forth. Ben Sutton Jr., founder and chairman of Teal Capital, a private equity company with investments, a portfolio of business, including Riddle and Bloom and so forth. Robert Tuttle, who I know, haven't talked to him in decades. I actually worked with him and for him in presidential personnel. He is clearly a Reaganite. And Pete Wilson, who's clearly a Reaganite, very, very good man, who I met this summer. Just terrific. But there's the board of directors of the Reagan Foundation and Library, Mr. Producer. Doesn't that strike you as strange? There's very few Reaganites 
on this board. I see very few people who worked in the Reagan administration as Reaganites. I really do. couple. Tops. Mostly the people here are financial people. Financial people, not people of founding and constitutional principles. As I say, there are some. You've got the Murdochs, you've got Forbes, uh, Tuttle, Wilson, and so forth. But the rest, I don't think President Reagan in his heyday as president would have recognized most of these people. You've got two former advanced men, including the chairman of the board who now runs the Washington Post. How do you, how do you run the Washington Post? And the Reagan Foundation, unless you're really clever and slick, I would say. They hated Ronald Reagan at the Washington Post. Hated him. Very strange indeed. I suppose I won't get invited back there, Mr. Producer. And we saw that place out in record time, seven, eight minutes. Chris Christie was there. I I saw that online with 300 people watching. We had 1,500 and more and sold out in seven or eight minutes because I'm a Reaganite because I campaigned for him in 76 and 80. And I worked in his administration for eight years. I would never be CEO of the Washington Post even if they offered it to me. Not that they would, of course, but that conflicts with my principles. My views. It's just pretty amazing. You know, the Nixon Library has invited me over and over and over again to come out there. Maybe that's where I'll go when my book comes out next time. Because I just bet that their board of directors is more Reaganite than the Reagan board of directors. I'm just guessing. I don't know. Look, I don't have an axe to grind. I'm just troubled by it. That's all. Very troubled by it. Let's see here. Why don't we pull up the Reagan Library, Mr. Producer, the the speakers that they've had. Let's see here. I'm just curious. The executive team, speakers. Maybe I'll have to do this after the break because I can't do it while I'm on the air. Reagan Library speakers. Let's see uh, see what kind of people they've had here. I know Ryan hates uh, Trump. Fred Ryan and Paul Ryan and, and Noonan and the rest of them. I know that. Let's see the speakers lineup here. Oh, look at this one. Representative Liz Cheney. This is the 2022 lineup of speakers. You ready for this, folks? You listening? Ross Dutad of the New York Times. Joni Ernst, good lady. Micah Garcia, good guy. Larry Hogan, governor of Maryland. Mitch McConnell. Condi Rice, again, a good lady, but not a Reaganite. Senator Ben Sass. So all the Trump haters, many of them, Liz Cheney, Larry Hogan, 
Mitch McConnell, Ben Sass. You know, I, you have here individuals, in the case of Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell was never a Reagan guy. In 76, he backed Ford. Larry Hogan was never a Reagan guy. He's a liberal Republican. He's more Democrat. So you really do have to ask you, look at the lineup of the speakers here. It's really quite remarkable. Now, um, let's see. They've had a Time for Choosing speaker series, which is a very interesting title, with leading voices in the conservative movement. House Speaker Ryan former Vice President Pence, former Secretary of State Pompeo, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, seriously? Governor Nikki Haley, Senator Tom Cotton, Senator Tim Scott, good. Peggy Noonan, no. Liz Cheney. I just want the Republicans out there to know this. Now, they wouldn't have asked Liz Cheney to be a speaker there, but for the January 6th committee. Because they would have been anti-Cheney's at some point, right? My God, it's really quite remarkable. Chris Christie, gee whiz. Yeah, we'll have to take a look at the Nixon Library. Maybe the Coolidge Library. That would be pretty cool. What do you think, Rich? Maybe it's time to help support some of these other libraries. And bring America through radio and TV and through my books and through speaking at these places to some of these other libraries that don't get attention. Of course, I worked for Reagan. I campaigned for Reagan. We love and love the Reagans. Love them. Most of these people didn't even know him. And some that did really got wealthy on attaching themselves to him. That's not me. In fact, I lost opportunities going in the administration, and I don't really care. But no references to former Attorney General Ed Meese, who stood by Ronald Reagan early, early on, when Fred Ryan was wearing diapers. Paul Ryan, too, for that matter. And Peggy Noonan was a Democrat working for Dan Rather. Isn't that amazing? Maybe somebody should write a book about this. No, I won't. i got to write a book about something else at some point. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin'. Have you ever played the game, Would You Rather, with your kids? Would you rather be a donkey or an elephant? That was an easy one. Well, here's another easy one. Would you rather overpay for cell phone service every month to a company with leftist values or pay about half with Pure Talk and support a company who cares about your values? It's time to ditch Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Pure Talk has the same 5G coverage as one of those big guys but saves the average family over $800 a year. I made the switch, and so can you. You can keep your number, keep your phone, or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. Unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data is just $30 a month. Or get unlimited data and still save a fortune. So do this. Go to puretalk.com, find the plan that's right for you. Then this month, enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, and you'll save an additional 50% percent off your first month that's puretalk.com promo code levin podcast
Well, in all fairness, I see Christy Nome will be there, or has been there. Some people I've never heard of before. This guy, William Hurd, is another rhino. Remember him, the congressman? Bill Barr will be there. Interesting, isn't it? ABC News presidential historian Mark Updegrove will be there because we all know ABC treated President Reagan so well. Then, of course, Larry Hogan. I can tell you, in 1976, when we were duking it out with the Ford people, a guy like Larry Hogan clearly would have been with the Ford people. He's a complete liberal hack. Matt Continetti, pretty good guy. Oh, our man David Mamet. He is fantastic. Glad to see that he'll be there. If he wasn't as great as he is, I guarantee you he wouldn't be there. Look at this. David Gergen. David Gergen. Our buddy Hegseth will be there. I'm glad to see that. But you can also see how the, how the core values and belief systems are being chipped away at. Are being chipped away at. It's really quite, uh, quite troubling to me. Uh, very worrisome, in fact. But what can I do? Just an old Reaganite with a radio and TV show. Looks like John Dorm is still at it, and this is a good thing. As the trial for former Hillary Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman draws closer. In just the news, special counsel John Dorm is painting a picture of a relentless effort by Democrat operatives to sell the Russia collusion narrative across the U.S. government from the FBI to the State Department. I wonder if Dizzy Lizzie Cheney's concerned about this. Essentially, Hillary Clinton operatives flooded the zone in the summer and fall of 2016, hoping multiple Trump collusion allegations circulating inside the government agencies might prompt an investigation and media interest. Wow, this sounds like a crime based on the definition that Philly Bump and the media and the January 6th committees cobbling together. This sounds like a crime for which Hillary should be prosecuted. Interfering with an election like this. For the first time this week, Dorm called it a joint venture, quote-unquote, and a conspiracy to shop unproven Trump dirt. In the case of Sussman, Dorm alleges that effort involved deceit by lying to the FBI that he did not have a client when he presented since-discredited evidence to the FBI that Donald Trump had a secret computer back channel at the Alpha Bank in Moscow to talk with the Kremlin. You know, Fred Ryan's Washington Post ran with that story. In fact, Sussman was working on behalf of the Clinton campaign and a tech executive named Rodney Jaffe, who was aligned with the campaign when he approached the FBI in September 2016 and made the anti-Trump allegations, Durham's team alleges. Remember John McCain had his staffer shop it to the Department of Justice, the dossier. They were all out to get Trump. That's not paranoia. That's a fact. A few months later, Prosecutors say Sussman was still representing the tech executive when he approached the CIA in February 2017 to get the spy agency involved and again claim he wasn't representing a client's interest. Now, this is interesting because in 2017, that's when the money started to transfer big time, the big money to the Biden family, millions and millions from the communist Chinese. But that's not under criminal investigation yet. That is Joe Biden is not under criminal investigation yet. 
On Monday, Dorm showed the strength of his evidence as Sussman's alleged lie offered the handwritten notes of two senior FBI officials, recorded that the Clinton lawyer had said he was not acting on behalf of a client when he reported the Trump dirt. Dorm also produced a text message Sussman sent to then-FBI General Counsel James Baker, making the claim in his own words. And in his latest court filings, Dorm repeatedly called Sussman's comments a lie that had consequences, concealing from the FBI that the oranges of the Trump dirt came from his rival's campaign, Hillary Clinton. Lock her up, baby. That's exactly right. She's already got her own orange jumpsuit. We don't have to pay for that. The aforementioned communications demonstrate that the materiality defendants lie insofar as they reveal the political origins and purposes of of this work, wrote the prosecutor. Those political origins are especially probative here because they provided a motive for the defendant to conceal his client's involvement in these matters. (coughs) In fact, that's what he did because he didn't want anybody to know. That's why. Wow. That's that Perkins Coy law firm. Peggy Noonan and Paul Ryan and Fred Ryan and and all the rest of them might want to know the Reagan Foundation board that that this was taking place. Wow. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 773813811 Merrick Garland at the Department of Injustice today. I want you to listen to this and there's a reason for it. Cut 6 Mr. Producer go. Today we are announcing several actions the Justice Department has taken to disrupt and prosecute criminal activity associated with the Russian regime. The first action we are announcing today is the unsealing of an indictment charging Russian oligarch Konstantin Malafev with sanctions violations. As the indictment charges, the Treasury Department previously identified Malafev as one of the main sources of financing for Russians promoting separatism in Crimea and for providing material support for the so-called Donetsk People's Republic. I'm all for After- I'm all for him doing this. 
Absolutely 100%. But we have in our own White House, we have in our own White House, a man who's serving in the Oval Office, whose family's taken money from the wife of the former mayor of Moscow, another oligarch. Why isn't he taking direct action on that as the Attorney General? Why is he announcing this and not the other? Don't you find this problematic? Why is he not talking to the American people about the millions and millions of dollars that washed through the Biden family, his son, his brother, and yes, the big guy? Why aren't they talking about that? Merrick Garland is the one who has to appoint a special counsel. Why isn't he being questioned aggressively about that by people like Philly Bump and other ne'er-do-wells dressed up as journalists? Why is that? I have another why question. Why don't the Democrats seem to care about little girls getting raped in stash houses on the southern border. Why is it that the chairman of the Judiciary Committee in the House, Jerry Nadler, doesn't give a damn? Why is it that the man in the Oval Office doesn't seem to give a damn? Why is it that the media don't give a damn? Chip Roy asked that question at a hearing today. Really, did Jerry Nadler? Cut seven, go. And so, oh, we've got this big fear coming in April, but oh, that's, no, we don't want to have Title 42. And my colleague from Texas mocked the focus by some of my colleagues on the need to have Title 42, as if it's not causing rampant flow across our border, little girls put in stash houses, getting raped, cartels making $100 million. And then the chairman scoffs. The chairman scoffs when I say little girl getting raped in a stash house. Has the chairman been to the border of Texas? Has the chairman been in the last year to the border of Texas and met with Border Patrol agents, gone down and talked to the people that are sitting there looking at what's actually happening in stash houses? the gentleman yield? I'll yield briefly. Yes. And what did you find? No stash houses? The chairman scoffed. Is the chairman saying there are no stash houses with no little girls getting raped in Texas? The gentleman will yield? I will. I am not saying there are no stash houses. I'm not saying little girls not being raped in Texas and in every other state in the union for that matter. Well, then reclaiming my time, when the chairman scoffs, when we talk about the the damage being done to this country, with cartels having complete operational patrol of our border, charging three to five thousand dollars a day to come across the border, and little girls getting put into the sex trafficking trade, I think that tells us a lot about where the priorities are of this committee. And I'm getting a little sick and tired of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle scoffing at Texans having to take the brunt of this. Ranchers losing their longtime family-held ranches. Fences getting cut, livestock getting out, people getting abused. And my other son now just doesn't give a whit about it as evidenced by the scoff of the Judiciary Committee chairman. It's absolutely mind-boggling. This is what the American people are absolutely sick and tired of. Chip Roy is a great congressman. He's also a great friend. Hakeem Jeffries wants to be Nancy Pelosi, next time around, Nancy Pelosi 
uh, in drag, I guess, or guys drag or whatever. I don't know what's in or out today, to be perfectly honest with you. He's not concerned about all this. is all made up, according to him. Wouldn't he be a great speaker? Cut eight, go. How concerned are you about the surge that's predicted to come and them using that in the midterm election to hurt Democrats? I think we have to continue to uh, govern responsibly. And again, we'll wait uh, for presidential action in this area. But we have a strong story to tell, and the Republicans have nothing but rhetoric. And often that rhetoric has no basis in reality. They have no governing agenda. What an idiot. Trying to secure the border, beef up ICE and the Border Patrol. They did govern, and they governed well under Trump. That's the truth. So my question is this. That's going to be a speaker or the Democrat leader one day? A liar? I guess that's the way it works. Jed Johnson was the DHS secretary under Obama. He's a lawyer, African-American. And you know what? I don't agree with him a lot, but he's definitely not one of these radical kooks either. Definitely not. Now, what does he think about reality on the border? Cut nine, go. But most Americans also want a secure border. Right. If you go to Laredo, Texas, for example, Henry Cuellar's district, 85% Mexican-American, overwhelmingly Democratic. They want a secure border. I know. I've been there. I've heard this. 7,000 a day is not sustainable in multiple respects. It overwhelms the communities in Texas, Arizona, uh, that have to absorb this population. It overwhelms Catholic charities. It overwhelms the Border Patrol Mm -hmm. and ICE and their ability to keep up with these numbers. And obviously, it overwhelms the Biden administration politically. Um, This is affecting his approval ratings. We just have to, we have to enforce border security and we have to send the message that we are enforcing border security. How rational. Rational. And yet he is an outlier. That's not what Hakeem Jeffries says. That's not what Biden says. That's not what any of them said. This is a man who had the responsibility to secure that border. And say what you may about him, and I have in the past. He is very concerned about what's taking place here. And rightly so. And barely, we barely touch the surface with it. Joe Biden is violating federal immigration law. This is an impeachable offense, ladies and gentlemen. A president does not have the right to fail to enforce laws he disagrees with. And furthermore, to make laws from the executive branch. This violates all notions of separation of powers and the core of our constitutional construct. This is a huge problem, and Jed Johnson is exactly right. Hakeem Jeffries is a fraud. But we already know that. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. H.R. McMaster. I don't know him. He looks like Mr. Clean on the bottle there, Mr. Producer. Uh, I think he was a general. But in any event, uh, he was at a hearing today about Russia and about, uh, in particular, the war on oil. The Democrats have spent the last two days at hearings with their media mouthpieces trashing the American oil industry for not producing enough oil. (laughs) Now, you really have to be an elected Democrat to be this stupid, to fall for this crap. They go to war against fracking. They go to war against pipelines. They go to war against these oil companies. They're environmental uh, surrogates, and they're not environmentalists. They're Marxists. File case after case after case to prevent them from drilling, prevent them from building pipelines, do whatever they can to stop them. Slows it down, drives up the cost. These oil companies have a phalanx of litigators they have to have on staff and outside counsel to fight these, these lawsuits. And here's something you may not know but is uh, interesting and problematic for the rest of us. The environmental groups have been granted what's called organizational standing, which is granted to almost no organization. So they sue on behalf of the public if they think there's an environmental issue. The Supreme Court gave them that standing. There's no statute on the books that gives the environmental groups that standing. So if Landmark Legal Foundation wanted to take them on and say, hey, look, we represent the public. No, you don't have a specific interest, a tangible, specific interest, Landmark. You don't have standing. Wait a minute. We represent the public. No, you don't. You haven't been granted that power. But these groups have. So it tips the balance, doesn't it? Tips the balance. And not only that, the hard left really is the plaything of Putin and Xi and Iran and all the rest. They really are. Why do you think Hunter Biden was on the payroll of the communist Chinese, the fascistic Russians, and before Zelensky and, and his predecessor, the corrupt Ukrainian slash Russian government? But here's H.R. McMaster at this hearing today. Cut 17, go. I'm concerned that part of the reason gasoline prices are so high is because the Democrats ultimately are opposed to domestic drilling and hydraulic fracturing. They would rather let OPEC, Russia, Iran, and Venezuela produce the energy to meet our needs. Is it true that Russia promoted and funded anti-fracking propaganda in Europe and the United States? Absolutely. The evidence is overwhelming. In fact, there have been hearings on this topic back in 2014 in the House uh, that pulled the curtain back on quite a bit of it. And there's been some very good investigative journalism as well. And this is Russia's effort to portray fracking as unsafe uh, and to do so so they can keep their coercive power over the global energy market and on Europe in in, in particular. And, And of course, this is a huge missed opportunity for the world because the largest ever reduction of man-made CO2 emissions ever 
<laughs> was was associated with the availability of cheap natural gas here in the United States, which was, of course, connected to shale oil and, and, and fracking. So so we're denying yes. ourselves a tremendous opportunity from a security perspective, but also from from a climate and CO2 emissions reduction perspective. Because, folks, he's so right, but it's not the goal of these groups and these individuals. As those of you who've read the chapter on climate change and American Marxism are well aware, that's not the goal. They are literally at war with our capitalist system, ladies and gentlemen. That's the target. That's the target. They don't care. It's CO2. That, that's just the latest, you know, hobby horse. That's all. It's the latest hobby horse. They have Americanized Marxism and have applied it to our economic system and various sectors of our economic system. What better way than to destroy the country internally and capitalism generally than to push a degrowth movement? A degrowth movement. And that's what's happening. Now, it's amazing how they're able to attack the Republicans as being Jim Crow when they're Jim Crow. It's amazing how you can attack oil companies when they're called oil companies for a reason. And the Democrats who wanted to drive up the price of gasoline and drive up the price of electricity, drive up the price of coal, drive up the cost of all non-solar, non-wind energy, are now blaming the very producers of these forms of energy for shortages and price increases. Well, why weren't there shortages and price increases when Donald Trump was president? Why weren't there shortages and price increases when Ronald Reagan was president or Bushes were presidents? Why now? Because all of a sudden the oil companies figured out to short supply in order to drive up prices? And why is it that the Democrats can't get their arguments straight? It's Putin, it's the oil companies, but it's not them. It's not their policies. The American people are not buying this. They're not buying it. And they shouldn't. Here's Jan Schakowsky. I believe her husband served some time. A representative out of Chicago. So therefore she knows everything about oil production. Cut 14, go. You know, the oil companies have the capacity right now, without having more leases, without doing more drilling, to raise the amount of oil that they are producing right now and made a decision not to do that so that they could make more profits, so that they could raise their prices, so that they could do stock buybacks. No, they haven't. No, they haven't. The oil companies have spent tens of millions of dollars lobbying against the rules that Biden and his comrades have put in place. They have fought them. They weren't lobbying for these rules. They weren't lobbying for these rules that would result in less drilling and less production, less refining and less transportation of fossil fuels. No, they weren't. They want the opposite. They want to turn on the faucets. 
So nothing she says here makes sense, but it doesn't matter. Cut 15. Go. Uh, yes, I, I, I am. I am against fracking. I think it's a real problem. Did, you, did you vote yes on that? Same one. That the oil companies made a decision rather in this crisis right now to raise the cost, to gouge the consumers. Okay, so she's against fracking, which has resulted in cleaner air and cleaner fuel, natural gas from shale. That everybody said couldn't be done, and yet the oil companies finally developed the technology to do it. Even T. Boone Pickens didn't think it could be done. It was done. It is done. It gave us energy independence. We didn't have to rely on Venezuela or OPEC or Russia or anybody. She was opposed to fracking. So you have to ask yourself, she's opposed to fracking. She's opposed to Anwar. She's opposed to drilling on federal land. She's opposed to drilling off the course, or off the coast, excuse me. So what is she in favor of? So do not let these politicians get away with this. Where on the one hand, they insist on destroying fossil fuels. On the other hand, they're pushing air, wind, solar, for which the technology does not uh, exist for broad pace use. And so you're suffering as a result of this. And you were suffering before Russia invaded Ukraine. And you're suffering as a result of these policies. Because when Trump was in office, this was not happening. I'll be right back. All over the world, our enemies are on the move. And in our own country, same thing. Things are tough between rising prices, election issues, a $34 trillion debt. But folks, there is good news. If you're smart, you can use these problems to your advantage. By making the right choices right now, you can keep your retirement money safe and even make more money in this climate. That's where Advantage Gold comes in. They're experts in helping Americans protect their savings with gold and silver. It's called diversification. Call Advantage Gold today, 800 They'll send you a free 2024 gold and silver kit that tells you how to keep your money safe when things are bad. Tell them I sent you, and you may qualify for a special Mark Levin discount worth up to $1,300. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. 800-900-8000. See if you qualify for that special discount worth up to $1,300. That's 800-900-8000. Performance may vary. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. You should always consult your financial and tax professionals. Love him or hate him or really, really hate him. The Great One is on the air at 877-381-3811. Now we have this Judge Nichols making a ruling that I find absolutely reprehensible in Washington, D.C. in the Steve Bannon case. Reuters, a U.S. judge today dealt a setback to Steve Bannon ahead of his upcoming criminal trial. Criminal trial. Let's see, what exactly did Bannon do? Nothing. He didn't do anything. They don't have any evidence that this man did a single thing, broke a single law, encouraged anybody else to break a law. But he refused to work with this rogue committee of Congress that has violated its own standards and traditions. It's not even a legitimate committee. And because he was asked, he was asked, 
not to cooperate because of an assertion of executive privilege. They now want to throw him in prison. A U.S. judge on Wednesday dealt a setback to Steve Bannon ahead of his upcoming criminal trial, blocking former President Donald Trump's advisor from telling jurors that he relied on advice from lawyers when he defied a congressional subpoena. Ladies and gentlemen, it almost never gets to this stage where an individual is criminally charged and prosecuted for something of this sort. And now this judge, U.S. District Judge Carl Nichols, here he is, blocked Bannon's attorneys from making an argument known as the advice of counsel defense during trial, which is scheduled to begin on July 18. In other words, a defendant can pretty much make any argument they want, including, listen, I listen to the advice of my counsel, so you can't criminally charge me. And the judge said, you know what the judge said, America? You know what the judge said, Mr. Producer? You may not use that argument. The judge is saying you may not use the argument. The government alleges Mr. Bannon committed a crime, Bannon's defense lawyer said in the filing. Every act that they intend to rely on upon is proof involved Mr. Bannon's reliance on his legal advice. Bannon's attorneys hoped to argue that he relied on legal advice from his lawyer, Robert Costello, who previously advised him that he could not testify or provide records to the panel unless it brokered a deal with Trump or convinced a federal court to agree to waive executive privilege. I would have given him the same advice. And Costello cited a number of prior legal opinions published by the Department of Justice Office of Legal Counsel. That's considered the real think tank of justice. Scalia once headed it. Rehnquist once headed it, which found that current and former executive branch officials were immune from congressional subpoenas. Costello and his co-counsel, Mr. Evan Cochran, did not immediately respond. Okay, this is a big deal. We have opinions from the Office of Legal Counsel. Current and former executive branch officials are immune from congressional subpoenas, number one. Number two. That a federal judge is telling him he cannot make what is the most obvious and effective defense argument. Hey, look, I was listening to my lawyer. I followed his advice. You're going to throw me in prison for that? So now what is Bannon going to argue? The judge took his strongest argument away from him. Now, obviously, his lawyers are going to have to move immediately. Maybe an interlocutory appeal of some sort, which is very difficult to get. And the media here, they just sit here and regurgitate this stuff like nothing unconstitutional or untoward is going on. This is appalling. It's shocking, frankly, that the judge has just didn't put his finger on the scales of justice. He just threw his whole body on the scales of justice against Bannon. I haven't talked to Bannon in years. We're not exactly best friends, but so what? The law is the law. The Constitution is the Constitution. <clears throat> I felt exactly the same way when it came to Roger Stone. You don't get to violate the rules because you don't like somebody. What they did to Roger Stone, what that judge did, was appalling. And what's being done to Bannon here is appalling. And Dan Scavino. And Peter Navarro. 
It's just shocking what's taking place here. And as I said before, this committee is working with the criminal investigators and prosecutors at the Department of Justice to violate the due process and other constitutional rights of these individuals to get around the process. But when you have judge, judges who are in the tank, in my humble opinion, when you have judges issuing opinions based on information that aren't, isn't even in front of them, like this guy, Judge Carter, in California, the system's way, way, way out of control. When you have a court ruling and another one ignoring the fact that a former president can't assert executive privilege in a way that Trump wanted to, I'm telling you, the system is broken. And these damn Republicans, if they get in the majority in the House, forget about McConnell. McConnell is a disaster. Ron Johnson and Grassley have pursued Hunter Biden on their own. McConnell has given them no support. No additional legal staff. No additional resources on these committees. He's given them nothing. You'll notice he hasn't even talked about it, McConnell. Not a word. But on the House side, we can hope for something different. I believe. John Stewart, on his podcast yesterday, this guy really is a lowlife and a moron. He just is. I cannot stand it when people who luxuriate in this society trash it. Who luxuriate in this society and trash it. Here he is on his podcast yesterday. Cut 19. Go. The, the literal interpretation of the American dream is that is it doesn't matter where you were born or how you were born or who you are, that in this country you can rise up. And go beyond that, and it turns out to be... Look at you, a no-talent piece of crap. Right? You even changed your name from Leibowitz to Stewart. What's that all about? Go ahead. Fallacy. But I wonder, you know, when we say, oh, in 2040 or 2050, when the demographics change and we won't know what will happen, I feel like we know what will happen because it's, it's what's happened from the very beginning. And I would say... Yeah. The formation of the union, the compromise that was made with the southern states that black slaves would count as three fifths, but they can't vote. But you can count them. There has always been a redistribution of power to the white elite. Who are who are these people who are doing this stuff? Identify them. There's always this redistribution of power to the white elite. So every white person is an elitist. Has he been to Appalachia? There's a lot of very poor white people there. This is a man who has a Marxist ideology. He doesn't view human beings as individuals. He's bought into the whole critical race theory. He's read a couple of books. They've pulled him into their ideological approach and that's where he is that's who he is he's a complete fool Andrew Sullivan as I said wrote a fantastic piece it was a long piece on his site the dish I believe and just destroyed him because he's easy to destroy when he doesn't have an audience when he's not in charge of the microphone he's just a Lilliputian that's all he is 
He's a guy who's read a few books and knows how to regurgitate them. The white elite. And who came before the white elite? Anybody? Nobody? And I'm sick of the white elite talking about the white elite. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. My friends, our world is connected more than ever. Now, what does that mean? It means that we're affected by things happening on the other side of the world, like wars, like pestilence, and of course, in our own country, the turmoil. Now, this can all mean danger to our economy, but smart investors are using this as an opportunity to buy gold. Gold is at an all-time high, and I believe it's going to go higher. That's why I want you to call my friends at Advantage Gold. They're a five-star company that I personally trust with my gold purchases. Call them today at 800-900-8000 for a 100% free gold investment guide to show you how you could use gold and silver to help turn global chaos into financial opportunity. That's 800-900-8000. Plus, tell them I sent you, and they'll give you a special Mark Levin discount worth up to $1,300 if you qualify. Call Advantage Gold today, 800-900-8000. Tell them Mark Levin sent you. Performance may vary. Past performance It's not necessarily indicative of future results. You should always consult your financial and tax professionals. Two quick, fast issues, not in priority order necessarily. There's a young lady who was working with my buddy Larry O'Connor on WMAL and apparently doing a very good job. And uh, she made a joke on social media about Kamala Harris and her brown UPS uniform. And everything was fine for a few days. And then these social media neo-Nazis went at it. Of course, they did what they always do, as a mob does. They contact the corporatists and the executives in the upper echelons, put pressure on them, accused the host of being a racist. And she was summarily fired. I read the joke. You could take it as a racist joke if you're a racist. And if you want to accuse somebody and smear somebody and libel somebody as a racist. But that obviously in context, was not the intent at all. So count me as somebody who believes they should bring her back and stop bending to the mob. Or one day all of us will be podcasters. Just a thought. We each take a turn, you see. We each take a turn with the left's guillotine. It's not her, it's me. If it's not me, it was Rush. If it's not Rush, it's Hannity. If it's not this one, it's that one. That's why Media Matters exists. That's why Mediaite exists. That's what social media have become, poison. That's why I resigned from Twitter and Facebook, and so should everybody else. Until Mr. Musk fixes Twitter, and I pray to God he does. It's not cancel culture, it's character assassination. And that's what it is. There's nothing in her past. I looked. 
nothing in her writings that even suggest that she has a racist bone in her body. And so this is, to me, unacceptable. Now another matter. Different scale, I got it. This bastard in Sacramento who was let out of jail early because of California's Department of Corrections Parole Board appointed by the governor there because the Democrats outnumber the Republicans and they vote like zombies for Democrats. This guy's let out early. The deputy district attorney is begging, begging them, don't do it. He will commit harm. They predict, essentially, that he's going to commit violent acts. He serves only four years of a 10-year sentence. He brutalized his girlfriend in the past. I guess we don't care about women anymore. We can't define them. We can't protect their babies. We can't even acknowledge their women. We can't uphold the, the amendment to the Education Act in 1965 with Title IX so they can have a fair shot at sports. I guess we don't care about women anymore in this society unless they're prepared to have multiple abortions. And many of you women should think about this next time you vote. So what does this guy do? He takes a weapon. He works it through, fabricates it, makes it an automatic weapon. And he's looking for a fight. Early hours Sunday, downtown Sacramento. Him, apparently, his brother, and another guy. And they're mad. They got a new dispute. Six people are dead. Innocent people are murdered. Joe Biden came out and talked about gun control. Since then, Joe Biden hasn't said a damn thing. Now that we know that this man should not have been let out by Gavin Newsom's henchmen. Excuse me, hardly henchmen, but you get my point. Democrat policies are killing people. There are attacks on the cops, letting thousands, if not tens of thousands, out of prison and jail, open borders where MS-13, fentanyl, and God knows what else is coming across that border, sex crimes, sex slaves are now being uh, increased in some significant way. Maybe the board of directors at the Reagan Library will focus on this. Rather than hating Trump and his supporters. What a disaster. How come George Soros isn't considered the worst man in the world or the worst man in America? Now in this case, the deputy DA fought like hell against this. But George Soros as back district attorneys all over the country. We've talked about this at length. For whom people have suffered in heinous ways because they refuse to prosecute people and keep them in prison. This isn't criminal justice reform. It's not even criminal justice. It's a nation destroying itself from within. And that's what you get with the left, whether it's the economy or fuel or the currency and inflation. whether it's citizenship and crime. Can't blame Putin for everything. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, our trucker friends, God bless you, and our fellow freedom fighters in Ukraine. We stand with you. 
Be safe. See you tomorrow.